Hey there, third graders. It's Miss Hayes here with chapter 20 of our read aloud, Return of the Indian. We're getting super close to the end of the book. In fact, this is the second to last chapter, not including the epilogue. Um, so in the last chapter, Omri and Boone were brought back from Little Bear's time. Um, Omri is really beat up. Uh, he's got burns and a bloody nose, and he is just done, and he just flopped down on the couch and fell asleep because he is so exhausted and Patrick has said that he will take care of everything. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, Let's go into chapter 20, which is called Invasion. He slept without dreams for two hours. Then something woke him. He lifted his head sharply. His mother hadn't closed the curtains, so a little light came in from the street. He felt strange, but he saw at once where he was and remembered why he was there. He was by no means ready to wake up, so why had he? Then he saw there was somebody in the room, coming in, rather, through an open window facing the front garden, which shouldn't have been open. It was the sound of it opening and the draft of cold night air which had awakened him. He was peering over the arm of the sofa, which lay in deep shadow at the farthest end of the living room. He could see the clear silhouette of a male figure, stealthily putting first one leg and then the other over the sill, and ducking his head under the half-raised window frame. A bare head, which gleamed dully in the diffused lamplight from beyond the high front hedge. For a second, Omri thought it was an Algonquin, but there was no scalp lock on that shaven skull. It was a, it was a neighborhood boy. No, not just one. Once in, the first figure bent and beckoned, and from the shadows outside appeared another, and then another. One by one, they climbed silently into Omri's house. In a flash, he remembered last night. Wow, was it only last night? When he'd come down to fetch Bright Star something to eat, he'd seen a hairless head go past the kitchen window and then put it from his mind. They must have been looking the place over, casing the joint, making plans for a time when the family would be out. Where was the babysitter? Normally she would be in here watching television, but the set sat darkling in its corner. The intruders made towards it, laid hands on it, While one unplugged it and rolled up the cord, the other two lifted it between them. Would they try to take it out by the window? No. They carried it silently to the door. The cord holder opened it and they went out. Omri swung his legs swiftly to the floor and stood up, holding his breath. His heartbeat was extraordinarily steady. In fact, he felt calm and clear-headed. There was another door to the living room, and it was the one nearest the foot of the stairs. Moving across the carpet without a sound, he slipped out of the room and glanced toward the front door. It was open. The skinheads were going down the path, but they weren't yet ready to make off. They put the television down in the front garden just behind the hedge. Aubrey knew then that they would turn back and come for more. He took two swift steps to the stairs and raced up them silently, two at a time. He must phone the police. No, he couldn't. The only phone was in the hall. He must do something. He couldn't just let them get away with it. It was bad enough they made his life a nightmare in Hovel Road without invading his territory, too. But the inescapable fact was that they were years older than Omri. Then there were three of them, and they probably had knives. He reached his attic bedroom out of breath and opened the door as quietly as he could. He stopped. It was full of strange, small lights and flickering shadows. The first thing he saw was Patrick, fast asleep on cushions on the floor. Then he noticed that the cupboard had been returned to the top of the chest, and so had the seed tray. There seemed to be a lot of activity going on on its much-trampled earth surface. 
Omri moved forward to closer look, to take a closer look. An astonishing scene met his eyes. The ruined longhouse had been turned into a sort of scratch hospital. Clean pages evidently torn from a notebook had been laid on the floor. In a double row with a walkway between their feet lay a number of wounded Indians. They appeared to have been well looked after. The ones Omri could see through the holes in the longhouse roof were bandaged and covered with warm blankets made of squares cut from Omri's sport socks. He recognized the green and blue stripes on the white toweling. Bright Stars was there, her baby tied to her back, moving among them with a bucket, giving them drinks. At either end of the building burned a small fire of matchsticks and shavings of candle wax, each tended by an unwounded Indian. Around the fires, wrapped in glove-finger sacks, more braves lay asleep. Omri's eyes went to a bright light at one end of the seed tray. The stub of the candle had been stuck into the earth and lit. Around it, muttering and chanting, Little Bear moved in a slow sort of dance. His shadow, hugely enlarged, was flung all over the walls of Omri's room, and the thin, weird, wailing note of his chant struck Omri's heart with sadness. Near the candle was a paddock. It was like a graveyard. Laid out on the grass were some small, still shapes covered with squares of white cotton blotted with drops of red. Omri counted them. There were eight. Eight out of forty. And all those injured? How? When they had ambushed the unsuspecting enemy with far superior weapons. It took only a few seconds for Omri to take all this in. Then, out of the depths of the longhouse, bustled a little figure in blue and white with a tall, flowing cap. Well, she exclaimed when she saw him, here's a nice how-do-you-do. Call this a casualty ward? I'd rather be Florence Nightingale. She had it easy. Whoever let these poor, simple fools loose with modern weapons ought to be shot themselves. What happened? asked Omri, dry-mouthed. What was bound to happen? They were shooting each other. From what I can make out from their leader, they, they encircled the enemy, then blasted off from all sides never realizing how far the bullets would travel. The shots that didn't hit an enemy were likely to hit an ally coming the other way. I've fished so many bullets out tonight, I could do it with my eyes shut. She bustled back to work, tutting loudly. Omri bent and shook Patrick awake. Get up, we've got burglars downstairs. Patrick jerked upright. What? Neighborhood boys, there's three of them. They must think the house is empty. They're going to clean us out, only they're not because we're going to stop them. We are? How? Where are the guns the Indians had? They're in the cupboard. I think they've damaged a lot of them. We were mad. Where's that bag of British soldiers we had in the garden? Here, but you're not going. Where's Fickets? He's in with them. Omri was frantically emptying the paper bag onto the chest. He found Fickets at once and almost threw him into the cupboard, remembering just in time to take the jumble of rifles... Tommy guns. Sorry, I had to yawn. <laughs> Rifles, Tommy guns, and machine guns out first. He locked and unlocked the door, and in the next moment, Fickets was standing bewildered by the pile of guns. Corporal, check those weapons! Fickets, rubbing his eyes, at once came to attention, then began disentangling what now appeared to be a pile of scrap. Omri, meanwhile, was putting handfuls of soldiers recklessly into the cupboard. Patrick was at his so shoulder. You're crazy! You're always telling me to... Shut up and bring me something flat. Like what? Omri turned on him fiercely. Use your head. Anything. A tray. A book. My loose leaf will do. Be quick. Omri did. Patrick did as he was told. Omri closed the cupboard but didn't turn the key. Corporal. Yes, sir. How much ammo is left? Ammo, sir. More like how many working weapons. 
Them Redskins have wreaked havoc, sir. Absolute havoc. I was afraid of this, sir. These are precision instruments, sir. They're not blooming bows and arrows. Never mind that now. I'm going to put you in charge of uh, an operation, Fickets. Me, sir? Not Indians this time. British troops. And they're going to mount an attack on three people my size. God help us, sir. How can we? Just do as I tell you, Corporal, and make them do as you tell them, okay? Gippitz gulped. Fickets gulped noisily, then straightened himself. As long as most of them are Marines, sir, I expect we shall manage. Good man. Stand by to reassure them as they come out. No need for Molly coddling them, sir. The light's poor. I'll just tell them we're on night maneuvers. Omri turned the key in the lock and opened the door at once. He was glad the light in the room was dim. Patrick thrust Omri's large, flat, loose-leaf book in front of the cupboard, and out onto it poured twenty or thirty khaki-clad soldier figures. Some of them still had their weapons. Others, obeying Fickett's barking orders, began to man some of the some of the ones Indians had used. The room filled with the metallic sounds of weapons being loaded. Shall we use the big guns this time, sir? Now we've got the crews. Fickett's asked Omri aside. Yes. Marshal them all here and tell the men to prepare for an all-out attack when you give the word. No trouble, sir. Just don't, uh, he coughed. <clears throat> don't thrust yourself forward, sir. They haven't spotted anything unusual yet, if you take my meaning. Patrick had caught the spirit of the thing and was fervishly sorting out every bit of hardware he could find in the biscuit tin and getting the cupboard and key to work on it. Soon the men who were armed with light arms, machine guns, portable anti-tank rockets, and even a bunker buster, a Milan missile, were in position, drawn up on three sides of a square with their backs to Omri. Though this was a formidable array, Omri did not feel even the faintest scruple, which means he didn't feel bad about it. Fickets, he whispered. I'm going to transport you all. When you can see your targets, give the order to fire at will. Sir, and don't worry, nobody's going to get hurt. You hope, muttered Patrick as they started down the darkened stairs. And that is the end of chapter 20. Stay tuned for chapter 21.